You, my friends, have arrived at episode 34 of the How'd You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Giddy up. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Greetings, welcome, salutations, blessings upon you. How you doing, people? Doing all right? Having a great day? Good. Hope that you are uh, doing well. Hope life is treating you good. And uh, I hope that if you're not doing something you love right now in terms of work, I hope that you uh, are on that quest, on that journey to figure that out. Whatever that thing is, I hope that these, uh, these interviews, these episodes are helping you kind of ponder, wrestle with that, and uh, figure out what it is that you want to do, helping you find and do work you love. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. really means a lot. We really appreciate it. We love, uh, I just, I really like you. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like with your, you have certain family members that like you love them because they're your family member. Like you have to, you don't have a choice. But then there's other family members where you're just like, I actually really like them. They're just really like they're cool people. And that's kind of how I feel about you. It is. I'm just putting it out there. I really love you, but I also really like you. So I just thought you should know that. Okay, enough of this awkwardness. Hey, we got a great episode for you today. Thanks for uh, joining us here on episode 34. We're going to have a good, uh, a good chat, a good conversation, a good time today. Hey, real quick, want to give a quick shout out to our uh, today's sponsor, 99designs. Listen, I've told you about them for a few weeks now. Why have you not tried them out? Make sure you stop by. You check them out. You can get designs from, for logos, websites, t-shirts, car wraps, uh, like literally just about anything you want, you can get design. You're going to have access to over 315,000 graphic designers. So literally, you've, you've got people competing to deliver you the best possible design for whatever that is. Instead of working with one person, with one person's opinion and feedback and ideas, you can work with a bunch of them to get uh, some ideas. So make sure you stop by. You check that out. You can go to 99designs.com slash grant. Again, that's 99designs.com slash grant. They're going to hook you up with a $99 power pack of services for free. So make sure you swing by. Check that out. All right, today's uh, guest. Let's go. Uh, we've got uh, an interview with with uh, Corbett Barr. Corbett is one of the, uh, does a couple different things online. He had a uh, website called Think Traffic for a while. But uh, today he uh, is one of the co-founders of a site called Fizzle, fizzle.co. And so Fizzle is a, a really cool company that's helping, just helps people with kind of online business training of learning about blogging and podcasting and setting up a, an online business, an online brand. Part of the company is uh, two other guys that are part of it, Caleb Wojcik, who we interviewed in episode 29, if you want to go back and listen to that, as well as uh, Chase Reeves in episode six. So make sure you check those out again, Chase Reeves in episode six, Caleb Wojcik episode 29. And today we've got the third member of the trifecta, Corbett Barr, episode 34 here. So enough of that. Let's get to it. Really great story. I think you're going to dig this. I love Corbett's conversation that we had. So uh, we'll uh, be back after the show to give you a couple other thoughts and a debrief on this. All right, let's get to it. Here's Corbett. Enjoy. All right, what's up? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today we are joined by Corbett Barr of Fizzle.co. Corbett, what's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me. I, I love the name of this show, by the way. I don't know how much feedback you've gotten on it, but it's just, it stands out. I like it. We get a lot of good feedback. And I tell you, you know, people can go back and listen on episode one, of how it kind of came to be. But as a speaker, people just kept asking me that question. How'd you get into that? And I think anytime you have someone that's doing something interesting, like that's the question that always comes out of everybody's mouth. It's how'd you get into that? So it's, it's worked out well. So yeah. I'm, I'm digging it so far. So totally. for people that aren't familiar with you, I know that you do a lot with Fizzle, but then you've also done a couple other different web projects that people may or may not have heard of. So give us a snapshot of what your business looks like today. 
So today I run a training library and community for entrepreneurs. And by entrepreneur, I know that sounds like a big word, but we're really just talking about people who want to earn a living, support themselves, feed their families by doing something that they're into. So I think we share overlapping audiences there. And I run that community. It's online. I run it with three other guys. You've had uh, two of them on the show already, I believe. So we're a little overexposed on how'd you get into that. But um, yeah, that's basically it. Nice. Now, the, so you're, the, you're the third of the trifecta that's making their appearance there. So that's good. It. Well, let me ask you this, because I, I know that you do a lot of training for entrepreneurs. And obviously, a lot of people that we've had on the show are entrepreneurs. A lot of people that we've listened to or that are listening to the show are entrepreneurs. But at the same time, I know that not everybody that's going through your training or that's listening to this is an entrepreneur like on a full-time scale. So I assume that you've got a lot of people that are going through the training and people that are learning from you guys that have their like full-time job. But it's just something that then they dabble with on the side, some type of little entrepreneur thing or uh, online thing or blog or whatever that they may be working on that they're building up or kind of getting going, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that we skew towards people who are trying to pursue this full-time. Not that they do right now. They definitely, a lot of people have day jobs, the majority, in fact. But, uh, you know, we do skew in our membership towards people who are looking one day to do this full-time or at least to make it the majority thing that they that they do. Some people love their day jobs and they want to keep them even if they build the successful side project. But most people ultimately want to just do their side project. Gotcha. Nice. So let's backtrack a little bit. So before this, you were, actually, let's, we're going to go way back here. Where are you from? Near Portland, Oregon. Okay. So born and raised there. What did you want to do growing up? I don't know. I think I always felt like I would be in business, some vague idea of what business was. My parents weren't in business, but some for some reason, I think they thought that was a good way to earn a living. So they kind of convinced me of that. I also was always into software and, and tech and things like that. So that was kind of just what I was into. But honestly, I had no idea. I graduated from high school with really no direction. I went to college and just majored in general business management. What did you what did you hope to do with that? Just whatever just whatever came to you? I think that I I thought I would just get a good job whatever that meant, you know, and make a good salary and try to climb the corporate ladder as fast as I could, hoping that one day, you know, I might retire early or I don't know. I I had I really didn't know. I came from working class parents. My mom worked up to three jobs some days. My dad worked his ass off as an auto mechanic and then later at a factory. And I knew that I didn't want that, but I had so few influences in my life that were doing other things, that were doing office-type stuff or creative-type stuff that I, I really didn't know. And so it took me a long time in college and afterwards to really figure out the direction that I wanted to go. And even after that, you know, in, so I worked through college. I took five years and and graduated having five years of work experience, which was really useful. But that was um, office work and gained enough experience that I then became a uh, Fortune 500 consultant. I worked for this boutique management consulting firm that sent me around the country working for Fortune 500s on really big projects, big like data warehousing projects and, and technology strategy projects, which sounds sexy. But, you know, again, my pursuit was just to find a good job, whatever that meant, and to pursue status and money, I guess, uh, the same that everybody else does. And I just kept getting into situations where it didn't feel right to me. I achieved whatever it was. I was working in this little tiny boutique management consulting firm that people who graduate from Harvard and MIT and places like that are coveting when they get out of school. And uh, here I was, you know, I went to community college for a couple of years, and then I finished at just a basic university in Portland, Concordia. And uh, here I was in this coveted role 
And um, I looked around and I thought, this is really I mean, I have to fly out every week to some city and work for some corporation that has 100,000 people who the majority of whom don't give a shit about what they're working on, pardon my French. And then I looked at my my colleagues and the partners who worked at the firm and I just saw, I just thought, why are we doing this? Like, what's the point of all this? And I guess at the end of the day, you have to justify it by saying, I earn a lot of money. And to me, that just wasn't really enough. How old were you when you kind of had that epiphany? I was, let's see, 28. All right. It seems like, I mean, a lot of people have somewhat of a quarter life crisis where it's like, I'm headed down a path just because I feel like that's either the path of least resistance or, you know, family wise or just society. I've just always been told like, this is like, this is the path. Like you, you make a lot of money, you climb the corporate ladder, you just, you jump through these hoops that you're supposed to. But it seems like at some point, a lot of people just hit that wall or that crisis where they're just, they kind of just wake up and I don't know, it's like, it's not necessarily like one morning, but just kind of the series of just like, what am I doing here? Like, what is my, like, is this the track that I want to be on? It sounds like that's kind of the place you hit. Yeah. You jump into a river that's going to take you somewhere. And I I didn't really, I just jumped into the closest one or whatever and, and uh, started floating down and realized I was, I was pretty deep into it and, and really just realized I had to try something else because I I couldn't let my life just continue to be like that. What made you intrigued by just going into business or just kind of that, that drive for accomplishment or achievement or gain or money or whatever, given that you, you came from, it sounds like you didn't come from like a wealthy background at all. And it sounds like you had, you know, working class parents. So you didn't have like a lot of example of like go drive, push, start, build. So where, like, where does that come from? Yeah, I don't know. We were we were poor growing up, and my parents did work for a guy who owned a business. He owned a um, a couple of gas stations in town, and I think um, honestly he was like the only example that I had of a business owner. But I did like the the idea of the control and and relative wealth that he had, and so may, you know maybe that was where the seed was planted or something like that, or maybe it was TV. I'm not sure exactly, but for some reason I just always had this idea that I would be in business, whatever that meant. So when you're at the boutique consulting firm, are you, is that just kind of like, again, the path of least resistance? Like you just kind of magically end up there and just thinking, I, I don't know, I guess I'll just become numb and this is the path I'm, I'll stay on? Yeah. I mean, it sounded pretty sexy when I, when I started with them. This was sure. uh, around, uh, around the year 2000 or 99 when you know the first internet boom was happening and I felt like there were greater pastures. I was working for a, um, a semiconductor manufacturer in my hometown in information technology and I started looking around and I realized there was this whole like interesting thing going on with the internet, the dot-com boom. And I thought I wanted to get out, maybe see the world a little bit and um, work for work for something, do something that was more challenging. And so I, um, I looked around and started applying for jobs online through Dice or Monster or one of those things and just ended up with this, with this management consulting firm. And, you know, the, the, the promise early on is that you're going to get to travel and see the country. And we had, they had an office in San Francisco. So I was commuting from Portland to San Francisco quite a bit. And it was just exciting. And it was exciting to begin with. And it was cool to see these interesting big companies from the inside and also to get to know some really smart, talented people. The colleagues that I worked with were all brilliant. So that part was great. But then pretty quickly, I was put on a project. I actually worked at Enron in 2000 and 2001, right before they collapsed. Yeah. That was one of our clients. And I got on that project and I remember arriving late one afternoon and it came around six or seven o'clock or something. And then I was, I was told that there was a, a team meeting at 8 p.m. And I was thinking, why are we having a team meeting at 8 p.m.? 
And then uh, somebody ordered dinner, and we all kind of sat around a conference table and ate dinner between 8 and 9 p.m. And then we went back and worked for another couple of hours until 11 p.m. And then we went to our hotel rooms and uh, got up the next morning and did it all over again. And I realized that's what every day was like on this project. In many of the projects, uh, we would work until almost midnight and uh, and then get up the next day and do it all over again. And I think that's how the... Uh, the company that I worked for helped justify the fact that our clients were paying three or four hundred dollars an hour for the consultants they were hiring. So, I mean, from the outside looking in, it looks like you've got it made. I mean, you're working with five, Fortune 500 companies. You get to travel the country. You're killing it and uh, making on, on income. So, what's there not to like? So, for you, it just again, most people are just on the track of, well, like that's just it. I'll just put up with it and I'll just tolerate it because as long as these massive paychecks keep coming in and they keep jet setting me around the country, like I'll just tolerate it and deal with it. But like, what was it for you that finally snapped or triggered something where you're just like, screw this, like the, regardless of the money, regardless of the travel, regardless of whatever, there's got to be something more. Well, it turns out that these kinds of jobs are actually really burnout factories. If you look at uh, management consulting or if you look at investment banking, which is similar in a lot of ways, they get young, ambitious, bright, energetic people and you, you kind of climb the ladder and you're supposed to climb the ladder pretty quickly. I was a, a manager by the time I left at the age of 27 or 28 or whatever. And, you know, they, they dangle this carrot in front of you, which is partnership. And partners make a lot of money. But what you see is that, you know, only a small percentage of people end up being partners. And the ones that end up being partners are the ones that can really handle a lot of crap in their lives and that don't really care about spending time with friends and family and, and having any semblance of a normal life. Um, and they don't mind working 70-hour weeks. So that's kind of what partnership looks like. You make a lot of money, but your life isn't any better than the associates or, or whoever are working under you. Um, and then everybody else either completely burns out and goes off and does something else, or they end up jumping ship into one of the companies that you're consulting for. So they go native in a way. And so let's say I was at Enron or whatever, some of my colleagues may have gotten cushy jobs in industry, is what they call it, working for one of these big corporations because it's a lot cushier. What you learn is that people in those giant corporations a lot of times just kind of check in and out and they end up working seven or eight hours a day instead of 12 or whatever, and they get paid pretty well. So that's the goal for a lot of people. But as I looked around, I ended up at giant insurance companies and, and big software companies and really like household name kinds of companies. As you get into those places and you look around, it's just like, that was not the life I wanted either. You look around and you see people who are completely disengaged from their work. They're just pushing paper around. They are helping some massive faceless organization become slightly more productive or something. I don't even know what. And um, nobody really believes in the mission and uh, the goals of the organization. So I guess you could look for some organization that you really cared about. But what I saw was, most people didn't care. They were just there for the paycheck. And I just, again, thought there has to be more to life than that. So you have this epiphany sitting around the uh, conference hotel dinner table, working till midnight and just realizing, screw this, this isn't worth it. What, what do you do from there? Well, there was a bit of a false start. I found another consulting agency, but this one was based locally. They staffed you on local projects so that you could have a life. And they were very lifestyle focused. They would allow you to take a lot of time off if you wanted to take a couple of months off. They were fine with that. They let you, you know, have preferences in terms of the kinds of projects you worked on, the kinds of clients you worked for, and they were very egalitarian. So it was kind of a 
utopian sort of situation for consulting if you were going to be in that space. And they were based in Seattle. And I joined with them because my wife had just gotten into grad school in San Francisco. This company was planning to open an office in San Francisco. And so it worked out that I was able to train with them in Seattle for a few months. And then I was the first person in the new office in San Francisco, which was kind of exciting. And I liked it. You know, I I enjoyed that. But while I was doing this big life transition, a lot of questions were coming up. And something was going through the back of my mind regularly, which was, I just had the sneaking suspicion that I was never going to be truly satisfied unless I saw if I had what it took to be an entrepreneur. And so I guess, again, this is just this deep-seated, for some reason, I just felt this need to be in business. And to me, the ultimate expression of being in business was starting your own. And I just felt like I was kidding myself if I thought that I was going to be really happy with just joining some consulting firm that was better than the last one I was in but was still working for these big organizations that people didn't really care about. And the same happened. You know, I, I, I was working for this lifestyle organization. The people were great. But then when I was staffed on projects, it was at these companies. It's just amazing that anything gets done. And I think this is a testament to the power of capitalism and the power of economies of scale. These massive organizations that are 100, 150 years old have so much dead weight They have so many people just checking in and checking out and not pulling their weight. It's amazing. And when you run a small business like I do now, you know how much everyone has to be working, how hard everybody has to be focused on getting a goal achieved. And in those big organizations, it it just doesn't happen. So back to the story, I knew that I felt like I needed to pursue entrepreneurship at some point. So we moved to San Francisco. My wife started grad school. I started reconnecting with colleagues just to get to know people, you know, people that I knew in San Francisco. And one of the people that I connected with, he's somebody I'd worked with about five or six years before. He was working on a startup idea. And we met a couple of times for coffee. He was telling me about it. And it turned out that he was looking for a co-founder, somebody to help him get it off the ground. And it just seemed like the ideal time. We had just moved to a new city. I wasn't really fully settled in with this new company that I joined. And here was somebody who had prior startup experience, somebody that I'd worked with before. I knew he was really sharp. And he was looking for someone to join his new company. And it just seemed like you know all signs were pointing in that direction. So that's what I did. Nice. Okay. I, I got to uh, wonder this, though. You've got kind of that internal nudge, that internal groaning feeling like there's got to be something more. I think I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur, but I'm not really sure even what that looks like. I don't have any like clear path of like, this is the obvious thing that you're supposed to be doing right now. I think there's a lot of people that have like those kind of those internal nudges and either we suppress them or we listen to them or we ignore them or we just think, I don't know, maybe it's just indigestion. I don't know. Like, how do you acknowledge or I guess differentiate like what's within me that's pulling me one direction or another versus just screw it. Let's just become numb and stay in this, stay in this path that we're on and just continue to make a lot of money and just die inside. But that's just the norm. Like, how do you, I I get like, why did you decide to leave versus just becoming numb? You know, I guess I just by nature don't really appreciate stability that much. And I, and I do appreciate <laughs> trying new things right. and, uh, and just seeing. You know, when I have a question, a lot of times I realize that you're never going to know the real answer or you're never going to know what the real possibilities are unless you just try it. And that's what, that's what a lot of people learn about starting businesses. You know, you can try to validate your business idea, try to make sure that you have the perfect idea but you're ultimately never going to know if it's going to be successful unless you start trying it. And so you kind of just have to quickly weigh your options 
and decide if if something is worth pursuing and recognize, you know, even if it's not successful, what will I have gained experience-wise or, or otherwise by going through this process? And to me, you know, I had long considered whether or not I should go to business school, meaning to get an MBA, because that's what most of the people that I worked with in the management consulting world had come from. They had gotten MBAs and then they had joined this management consulting firm. And it seemed like a great way to get really good connections, a great resume booster. And I was weighing that internally for a long time and it just never quite felt right. I was a bit of an outsider, I thought, just because of how I was raised and and where I grew up and my experience in college and having worked through college and all that kind of stuff. I just didn't quite fit into that world and it didn't quite feel right. But when this opportunity came up to join my friend as a a co-founder, it just seemed like this was a great alternative to business school. I could pay $100,000 to go through business school for two years or I could risk some of the savings that I had built up over the past 10 years or whatever of working on building my own business. And at the end of the day, even if it failed, I would have that experience and I would have an answer to that question of whether or not I had what it took to be an entrepreneur, which just seemed so interesting to me. So I like the way you frame that through the lens of regret, because I I think that's so important for people to realize, like there's two types of regret. There's the things that we do that we wish we hadn't done, and we all have our fair share of those stories. But then there's the things that you didn't do that you wish you had tried. And and I think there's so many people that are wired that way that are just going, I'd rather try and it be a huge disaster, but no, at least I tried, than to get to the end of my life and look back and be like, I wonder what would have happened if I would have given that a shot. Sounds like that's kind of where your head was. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the second type of regret that you were talking about, regretting or wishing that we had tried things that we never did, I think there's an easy way to erase all of those regrets, which is find the thing that you do care about. And even if it's 10 years later or whatever, all of those regrets about things that you didn't do in the past, if you find, you know, what you feel like is your life's purpose or however you want to frame it, if you find something that you really love and that you really get into that flow state in, all of that stuff, I don't worry at all about stuff that I did in my 20s. I just feel like that's all water under the bridge. And I'm so happy that I'm in the place I am now. I kind of feel like it took all of those weird decisions and left turns and things that I made to get where I am today. And so if if that's what it took, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, totally too. I totally resonate with that. I had I was on an interview the other day and someone asked me, tell me about some of your biggest mistakes. And I was like, I don't, I mean, I make them and there's definitely there, but I just... I just move on. You know, you can't do anything about yesterday and you can't change the past. And so never viewing it through the lens of like a negative thing of going, man, I'm really, really happy with everything that's happened in my life up until this point. It hasn't all been pretty and hasn't all been rosy, but the negative, the positive, all those things lead to who you are today. And all those things, you know, contribute to something bigger than yourself. Absolutely. With the startup, how's that going? What is that? What is that like? Is that, is that, are you finally feeling like, okay, I found it. This is it. This is what I want to be doing. Are you still feeling like, eh, I'm getting closer, but I'm not quite there. So I, I learned a bunch of interesting things there. First of all, we built a prototype of software, and uh, that took a long time. And all the while, we were shopping it around to venture capitalists. We ended up talking with, I'd say, probably 30 or 40 venture capitalists over the course of nine months, or, or actually about a year. And we got just no, 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 no from a lot of people, or we got, hey, it sounds interesting, but you know, get some traction and come back to us, or all kinds of delayed answers. And all the while, we were working really hard. You know, We're paying for an office. We had one other developer that we were paying out of pocket. And then we were each living off of savings. And I was just watching my savings dwindle. And so I got to know what it's like to really build a business and, and what it was like to put 
something on the line to risk something hoping that it was going to work out. And that was stressful as hell. And I wasn't prepared for that. And I wasn't prepared for the mental roller coaster that you go on as an entrepreneur. All of that's faded now, obviously. It's been nearly 10 years. But I remember that it it was so bad, the stress was so bad that it caused me to have panic disorder for a while. It caused me to have issues with sleeping for the first time in my life and really just terrified of what if this thing doesn't work out and I have to go find a job again, you know, yeah. because because I burned all of my savings. So so there was that, you know, all of that angst and, and all of that learning. But at the end of the day, we ended up raising venture capital and we raised to begin with $1.7 million and ultimately throughout all the rounds, nearly $3 million from venture capitalists. And so I learned about that world. I learned about the the Silicon Valley startup world, what that's like. This was in 2005, six, and seven. And so it was a great experience. And we built an office and we had 10 employees and we started to get traction and things were looking promising and we had great investors on our side. But in 2008, I think you probably recall that the entire financial world collapsed. It was a really scary time. Everyone was scrambling, especially banks and venture capitalists. And we were caught in a bad position. We had been building the company based on the investment and not on revenues because we just weren't at that point. We were kind of building the quote unquote traditional startup, which, you know, Silicon Valley startup, which is that you you don't worry about revenue until you get big enough, basically, like you've right. seen a lot of other companies do. And we just got taken down in that 2008 financial crisis. Basically, we were scrambling to find investors that would keep the business afloat. We got really negative terms and it wasn't looking good. And we were going to have to let basically everyone go and just keep the lights on and hope that we could get through it all. And at the same time, a couple of other interesting things were going on inside my head. One is my co-founder and I, after three years, were kind of on the outs. We had had one too many arguments and really just weren't enjoying working together anymore. The other thing was, I guess I never considered what my lifestyle would be when I became an entrepreneur. And so I just went with the flow yet again. I jumped into a different river and just saw where it took me. And where that can take you is that at the end of the day, because of having a physical office, 10 employees, a board of directors, advisors, investors, and a co-founder, I ended up feeling like I had less control over my life in a lot of ways than I did when I was an employee. Yeah, And I know, you know, I'm not saying woe is me or whatever, but this was just yet another example of having to learn by doing. This is how I learn, I guess. And it made me really consider that I think you have to be more intentional about how you want to build your life and your lifestyle and how your career is going to integrate with your life. And it just made me really feel like I needed to ask myself those questions purposefully instead of just kind of going, you know, jumping into the next thing. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously so, it's like something that um, Stephen Covey talks about of beginning with the end in mind. And most people, we just don't. We just think, well, I just, I need a cool job and I need a lot of money and I need to, you know, all those just shiny things that we that we like or that we want. And we don't think like, if I do this, like, where does this lead? Like, it reminds me, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. You guys, yeah, you, you told it on one of your podcasts. What's the story of the guy who builds and grows and grows and then it leads back to square one, basically? <laughs> the Mexican fisherman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, give yeah. us that quick snapshot. That's tough, but basically, you know, some fancy business person goes to Mexico and finds Mexican fishermen on, you know, doing his thing. And uh, they get into a deep conversation about the what the fisherman does every day. 
And the, the businessman says, well, you know, it looks now like you spend four hours a day, you go out fishing, you catch what you need, you sell it locally, and you're just kind of scraping by. But, you know, if you applied modern business principles to your business, you could scale this thing up and you could end up having a bunch of people working for you. You could, you know, build a big, beautiful house in the city and run your empire from there and do all this kind of stuff. And the fisherman keeps asking him, well, yeah, but then what? And then what? And then what? And eventually they get to the idea that the uh, the management consultant guy says, well, you know, at that point you could retire and uh, then you could come to the beach, live at the beach in a small town like this and, you know, work like four hours a day doing something that you really love. And they just realize that that's exactly what the fisherman is doing now. Yeah. And so when I was in between, so after my startup collapsed, basically, Instead of just jumping into another opportunity, which I could have, you know, there were a lot of startups that we had gotten to know. I could have probably taken a job with one of those, or I could have started my own thing again. Instead of doing that, I realized that I had to take a step back because of, you know, I kept getting into this kind of dead end situation. And also, you know, I had to swallow my pride and realize that I was going to have to start over again from scratch. And knowing how hard that was the first year of bootstrapping this business and and living off of savings. I had to figure out how I was going to do that emotionally, partly, as well as financially. But at the same time, I didn't want to just jump into anything because my uh, mental state wasn't all that great at the time, and I wanted to clear my head. And so my wife and I decided to hit the reset button in a major way and take some time off, which is something we had never done. I had always just worked, worked, worked. And we decided to take a road trip sabbatical to Mexico so we packed up our car, took our dog with us, and drove across the border and ended up spending uh, over eight months on the road, just traveling throughout Mexico, checking out little towns, and really asking ourselves questions about work and life and how the two integrated and what we wanted next. That's very cool. And, uh, and uh, is, that the, is that the twist in the story that you are the, uh, the Mexican fisherman in the story here? <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I but guess I, so. I totally put you on the spot to tell that story, but thank you. But I mean, I think that's so true that like some people just think, well, I want to get on this path. It's like, okay, well, let's just like step back. Let's play this out. Let's fast forward. Like if this works out like and fast forward to the end, like, is that the life that you want to have? Is that is that ultimately what you want to be? Or does it, like you described in the illustration there, does it just lead back to the current life that you have? But yeah, most most time, we just don't think about the kind of life that we're building or how our work is contributing to that until we're there. And it's almost like, crap, I'm in too deep. I got I to gotta do a hardcore pivot or just a complete 180 to go in a different direction. Yep, completely. And so here's the big reveal for me. So we set off in Mexico. We're on this road trip. And up till this point, you know, throughout this whole time we've spent together, Grant, basically, I think I've revealed that my worldviews were either that you found a good job, climbed the corporate ladder as fast as you could, so that hopefully you could retire maybe early one day with enough money in the bank to do what you wanted for the rest of your life, or you were an entrepreneur who swung for the fences, slept under your desk, poured every ounce of your creative energy and life into building a startup so that hopefully it became a really big success so that you hit a home run so that then you could move on and do something that you wanted to do with your life. But of course, that's a bit of a lottery ticket and there's a small chance that that's going to happen. So maybe you have to do that a few times before you actually hit that home run. So that's sort of my view of life leading up to this trip. When we set off on the trip, though, something really interesting happened. We kept meeting people 
in all these little towns. You know, we just kind of, we looked at the map and we just stopped at a bunch of little towns in Mexico. And every town that we stopped in, we met people who were living a completely alternative lifestyle that we didn't know was possible. These people weren't rich, they weren't retired, but somehow they had figured out ways to make their careers work around their lives so that they could live in a foreign country, so that they could travel indefinitely, so that they could um, be expats for part of the year. Whatever it was that they wanted, they had made happen. And these people were of all ages, you know, between 20 and 60. And this really rocked my foundation because of the way I saw the world before. And it made me wonder what the hell I had been doing with my life up until this point. It also made me wonder how many of these people there were and if other people would be interested in learning about these these lifestyles. And so about two months into the trip, two and a half months into the trip, I started a blog on a whim. I hadn't been thinking about blogging. I hadn't been a blogger before, but I started a blog on a whim basically to chronicle our trip, to tell the stories of these people that we were meeting, and to ask myself questions out loud about the nature of work and life and how the two should integrate together and what I wanted from my own life. If someone can't take eight months to go drive around Mexico, is there a way that we can have our own epiphany like that? The, the, just something that just helps us snap back into reality that there's got to be more than just this this corporate job that's killing me? Yeah. So two things. One is, you know, I, I don't doubt that it's difficult for a lot of people to take eight months off and go drive around. But I would ask yourself why you can't do that. Yeah. And maybe there's a way to take a month off or maybe there's a way to take a couple of months off. There's probably a lot more possible than you think. And I'm telling you that it is because I've met hundreds of people who do this all the time. And to me, the key ingredient of having that epiphany is being able to remove yourself temporarily from all of your normal influences. Because you have all of these people in your lives who just accept some vision for what life is. You know, if you're in the consulting world, that's your vision. If you're in the corporate world, that's your vision because of how many people you have as friends and colleagues and things that are in that same world. And so it's really difficult for you to have a new vision for what your life should be if everyone's kind of pulling you back in to reality, as they call it. And I'm telling you that reality can be much different than you see it right now. And that's what I learned by taking that trip. So I would love for everyone to be able to take this vision quest of sorts. But if you can't take eight months off, maybe you can take a week or two at least. And instead of just doing the normal thing where you go to a resort and try to numb yourself, drinking enough margaritas that you can forget about your regular life for a week, maybe go away somewhere you know unique and interesting that you never have been before with the intention of experiencing something different so that you can see new possibilities for yourself. Yeah. And I, I like, again, I like the way you frame that too. Most people just don't think, you know, well, taking a month off, well, that's just impossible. Well, is it? Or like, you just don't want it bad enough in order to make it happen, you know? Exactly. Like, for example, we just, you know, we just announced our family's moving to, to Nashville and we've lived in Missouri our whole life and all of our friends, family contacts are here, but we were like, it'd be a cool adventure. It'd be a cool change of scenery. I've had a lot of people ask me, and I wrote a post about it, of, of it's like people are looking for permission to do something. Like, you mean you can just move to Nashville? For, you're not taking a job. You're not, you don't like have any right. family there. Like, you're just right. going to go. It's like, yeah. You mean you're just going to Mexico to drive around for eight months? Why? Just because we can. 
Like yeah. I don't need like and I don't need a permission slip to do it. It's just like this is the way I choose to design and intentionally live my life rather than just having it dictated by someone else's terms. Well, and I you know, you were talking about regrets before. The fear of missing out is a huge one, right? Yeah. People are just worried that if I move to Nashville, I'm going to miss out on I know my life is decent now where we live. What if we move to Nashville and it sucks and I made a huge mistake and my life is ruined, you know? And all of these things go through your head about this like doomsday scenario when in reality that doesn't, you know, usually you end up better off in some way, at least for the experience. Yep. And you can undo those decisions as well if it doesn't work out. So yeah. it's not that, you know, it wasn't a a really scary proposition for us to take that road trip. It was. And we had a lot of debates about it. But in the end, that was the most pivotal time in my life. And I owe so much to taking that road trip and to starting that blog. Nice. So is that blog Think Traffic or what became? No. So that was, a pre- that was a precursor. It was called Free Pursuits. And basically the idea was just to start asking questions about how you can live the lifestyle that you want with not being wealthy or retired. You know, How can you make your career bend around the life that you want to live? Nice. Well, let's fast for a second time. Let's fast forward up to today. So you did, I know you did Think, Think Traffic and then that kind of emerged into to Fizzle. So give us a snapshot of what those two blogs are and then how Fizzle kind of came to be. Yeah. So basically, you know, I learned that I love blogging. I learned a lot of things from blogging. I built an audience of a half million people in the first year who had stopped by my site. And I looked around and I saw a lot of bloggers who were trying to get something off the ground, but just really struggling with it. So I started coaching people. I started giving advice. I built another blog called Think Traffic, which became very popular. Think Traffic was all about you know asking that question, why are some sites massively successful when the vast majority in fact, millions and millions of sites go basically unnoticed. You know, there are hundreds of millions of blogs out there, and there are just a handful that become really popular. So what's the difference between the two? So we asked that question a lot at Think Traffic, built that, had a lot of success with that. And ultimately, after starting a lot of different courses out there on different topics, we recognized this, this need, this desire that people had to not just take individual courses, but to join a community of other people who are doing the same thing. Because another lesson I learned was that probably the the greatest ally you have in building anything or in doing anything is meeting and hanging out with other people who are doing the same thing, who are trying to do the same thing, so that it becomes your social norm. And building a business is the same. Once you start meeting other people who are trying to build businesses, and once you meet with them on a regular basis to share your strategies and failures and success stories and everything else, and just to be accountable to each other, that's a major boost. In fact, if I hadn't joined an accountability group like that, I wouldn't be here today because there were a couple of times that I was ready to throw in the towel. And um, those people basically kept me on the path, and I kept them on the path. And so we helped each other out. And so we decided to basically merge all of these different courses and ideas and blogs and things that we had out there under one roof so that we could really infuse it with that community aspect. And that's what Fizzle is today. It's a training library. We have over 100 hours of video training in there from all kinds of experts on different things that you would need to know to build a successful online business. But we also have hundreds of entrepreneurs in there putting their asses on the line every week and sharing what works and what doesn't work 
and getting to know other entrepreneurs and helping and supporting each other and get through all of the dips that are inevitable when you're building a business. Nice. Very cool. Let's wrap up with this. Uh, for someone that may be listening to this, who's whether they're 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever age they may be in, and saying, I- I'm doing a job. It's okay at best. At worst, I'm dying inside. It's just not what I want to be doing. I would love to uh, kind of reverse engineer it and be able to build a life around just the way I want to build it and not just be at the whim of this job or this this track that I'm on or this profession or this this path that I'm headed down. What would you say to them to begin to create the kind of life that they want to have and not just finding a job for just for the sake of a paycheck? So I think there are two options. One is there are flexible careers out there. There are employers, believe it or not, who care about the lives and lifestyles of their employees. And there are places out there that allow for a pretty incredible lifestyle. In fact, I mentioned that I found one, right? Before I became an entrepreneur, I found a company that really put lifestyle at its core and allowed you to live how you wanted to. So you could pursue a career with a firm like that, with some sort of business that allows you to do that. Or you could pursue some sort of you know job that's flexible that you can move around with or whatever. So that's an option. But the option that most people end up pursuing is some sort of self-employment, figuring out some way to build your own business because then you get to make the rules. And the rules can really be whatever the hell you want them to be. There are, of course, trade-offs to making certain rules, but they can be whatever they want. And so now, for example, I return to Mexico every winter. My wife and I live in Mexico for three or four months every winter. We also travel to Europe for a month or two sometimes. And we really just get to live wherever we want because I built my business in a way that doesn't require me to work 70-hour weeks. It doesn't require me to be in one physical location. And so we get to live wherever we want, and that's just a rule that I set out. And that's all possible because I decided to build my own thing. Nice. Very cool, man. Good for you. And it's uh, it's a cool story of just highs and lows of entrepreneurship and more than just that, but just life. you know. And sometimes life feels like you're just on top of the world, and other days you're just like, Sheesh, what the crap am I doing here? And totally. uh, every, everything in between. But uh, I like that you're building it on your terms now and, and creating the rule book for yourself. Thanks for having me on, Grant. You bet, buddy. I enjoyed it. Hey, for people that want to find out more about Fizzle or you, where can we go? Head to fizzle.co. We have uh, hundreds of blog posts. We have a podcast. We have very active social media presence. So connect with us on Twitter. You can email us, whatever. We're happy to hear from people. Awesome. And make sure you stop by and check that out, people, for reels. If you're looking at uh, just as an entrepreneur, if you're dreaming about becoming an entrepreneur or whatever that may be for you, uh, definitely stop by and check out their stuff. Their blog, their podcast is both really, really, really good stuff. Check out Fizzle. You can get in for only a buck. Is that right? That's right. Oh, sheesh. Why wouldn't you do that? It's a dollar, people. Four quarters. Find them and put it, put them together. Join Fizzle. So, Corbett, enjoy the time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Boom goes the dynamite. Hope you enjoyed that, that chit-chat with Corbett Barr. Love his story. Love how... Uh, again, like we talked about, you, sometimes you feel like you're just climbing the corporate ladder only to figure out and determine it's, it's leaning against a wall that you don't want to be climbing up. And you get up there and you're like, this isn't... This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And here I am in this suit and here I am climbing this thing and doing this this corporate world and it's just, ah, just not what I want. I'd rather be uh, spending a part of my year in Mexico and hanging out with, just spending quality time with my wife, with people I love. So hopefully that was uh, encouraging and inspiring to you. You can go to uh, grandbaldon.com slash Corbett Bar, C-O-R-B-E-T-T with bar with two 
uh, ours. So you can go there to download uh, the links, show notes, everything that we discussed and, and talked about today just to get a summary of the, of the show. So make sure that you check that out. Also, uh, I don't know if you've registered yet, but next week, next Wednesday, September the 10th, 2014, we are doing a uh, just a Q&A webinar. It's a, it's a free thing we're doing just to, uh, to chat with you guys. So if you've got questions, we hypothetically have answers. I think we do. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. So we're just doing a, a free webinar next Wednesday, September the 10th, but you got to register for it. So I'm, I'm not selling anything. Uh, I got nothing to promote or plug or anything like that. So there's no, this is not a bait and switch or anything like that. So I just want to chat with you. We'd love to hear from you. So if you've got questions, make sure that you you register to be a part of that. Like I said, it's totally free, but you do have to reserve your space. do have to reserve your seat. You can go to grantbaldon.com slash webinar. Make sure you go there, grantbaldon.com slash webinar. We would love, 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 love to have you as a part of that. So make sure you swing by, you check that out. Again, grantbaldon.com slash webinar. All right. I think that, uh, that pretty much wraps things up today. Does that wrap things up? I think so. Are you liking the show? Are you digging it? Who, who else do you want to hear from? Who do you want to learn from? Who else would you uh, would you love to be like, man, I really want to know their story. How did they get into that? Maybe it's a person that you're intrigued by. Maybe you're just like, I'm just intrigued by this profession. I want to do this this type of job or this role, but I, I have no idea how I would actually get into that. So if that's you, make sure that you, uh, you email us. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. You can email me anytime, grant at grantbaldwin.com. Last but not least, let's give a quick shout out to our uh, today's sponsor, 99designs. Why have you not checked them out? You need to go do that, my friends. I'm telling you. Selection, speed, creativity, just a few of the benefits that you have of, of working with several designers uh, working on your project. So start your design project at 99designs.com slash grant. Get that $99 power pack of services for free today. So again, 99designs.com slash grant. Make sure that you check that out. All right, that wraps up today's episode. Again, make sure you swing by, check out uh, grantbaldon.com slash webinar. would love to have you hang out with us next week. Uh, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have a lot of fun. So swing by, check that out, register to uh, reserve your seat. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hope you have a, a great weekend this uh, upcoming weekend. Hope you have a, uh, hope things are going well for you and hope things continue to go well. If you get nothing else out of today, just know this. You're awesome. I really dig you. I'm rooting for you. I'm pulling for you. I'm believing in you. I'm in your corner. So whatever I can do to help you on your journey to find and do work you love, let me know. You're doing awesome. Keep killing it. Peace out. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.